Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, you know, it's another beautiful spring day, spring weekend. Um, it's amazing that the weather has been just gorgeous and uh, yeah, just a great time of the year. I'm really happy it's it's cool weather because our AC is out. Your AC is out? Yeah, we're, we're having to replace it, yeah. We're getting, oh, okay. it, getting it next week. And uh, yeah. yeah, so 18 years, HVAC. Yeah, you yeah know, I guess that's about time. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we're opening the windows and, uh, you know, uh, going to see a Green Jackets game this weekend as well. They're yeah, we got a town. lot of, we got baseball going on yeah, and right here locally. Yeah. That's exciting. Got, got actual uh, fans now? Yes, I think 50% capacity is what they're doing, so uh yeah, man, a year ago, just think where we were. Everything was shut down, and, um, man, we were in the throes of it. So it's it's amazing what a year uh, does. I mean, things have opened back up pretty much. Um, you know, markets have done well. It's been been a great four months. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. But, uh, wow, it's been a quite a run yeah, in the stock been, market. It's been a fantastic start to the year. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of good things going on. And, and we have a great show lined up for today. We have some interesting topics we're going to talk about um quotes from uh buffett's business partner charlie munger Mm. um you know uh brookshire hathaway just had their annual stockholder meeting this past week and uh charlie munger 97 years old he has some amazing quotes just has a great perspective on history and on investing and uh yeah i mean he's you know he's obviously hand in hand with the the world's most famous investor, Warren Buffett. Yeah. So, and Buffett uh, gets all the credit. I mean, but you know, Munger's been there a long time. He has. I mean, so, they have been partners. Yeah, so there's a lot of wisdom there. We'll dig into that. That's going to be very interesting. And then we're going to follow that up with, uh, what, the seven? Seven money personality types, Steve. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, we see these as well. And, uh, you know, financial literacy is a piece of the puzzle, but also... You know, how do you view money? What was your kind of upbringing and right. spender, saver, warrior? We're going to dive so, into. So, what are you? Um, you figured out where, which one you fall into? Yeah, I think I'm. I'm probably a. Uh, there's one here in the middle that kind of goes back and forth, saving and spending. So, <laughs> kind of um, a, a, a manic hoarder, yeah, spender, yeah. Or something. It's called the saver splurger. <laughs> <laughs> saver splurger. I've got yeah. a little bit of both. Yeah, but it's right. A, it's a good balance, I think. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're a good balance, you know? no doubt. I think I'm definitely a, a chameleon in there somewhere too. I don't know. <laughs> It's uh, interesting. Uh, Those will be very interesting, actually. You know, I love the psychological part behind Monday, and and that really digs into it. So that will be interesting. Um, Yeah, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vestra Pro with over 26 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast you can listen to. Uh, gosh, we have hundreds of them now. So uh, go check that out. You can find uh, you know a podcast on every topic out there pretty much on the financial world. For sure. And the uh, website has a lot of great tools. Go check that out. And we have a Facebook page that we put a uh, weekly prescription of of the week out there. I think Matthew did it this week. Yeah, and you can link to us there. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, um, and we'll talk about those right here on the show. But John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this is uh, from uh, Statista. Uh, I guess it's a you know some kind of status um, okay. stats report. But talking about electric vehicles, Steve, this is amazing. Five uh, percent of all passenger vehicles sold in 2020 
were electric, and uh, that is projected to increase to about 25% in 2030 and 72% in 2040. And hmm. uh, it just shows you technology. I mean, you know, capitalism, you know, the, the major car companies, I mean, this was a shock when, when Tesla came out and, and just revolutionized the whole industry. Now everybody's having right. to go towards it. Well, yeah, I mean, I would have thought it had been a lot higher than these projections. Um, I would think it'd be 50% in five years, honestly. Me too. I agree. Just because I think it's a no-brainer. Um, I'm trying to go electric on everything at home, you yeah, know I mean? Right. You know, my chainsaw and everything, because it's just so much easier not having to deal with an engine, yep. you know, that has problems. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, car, I've been driving an electric car for a few years, and it's just a no-brainer. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more than this. Yeah than what they're projecting. I think it's going to ramp up very, very fast. Yeah, I mean, most of the car companies are switching. I mean, I think yeah, VW came out and said, you know, 100%. 100% yeah. within like five so. years or something. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very fast. I think people are going to be shocked how fast they make the transition now that the ice is kind of broken and, you know, all car companies are coming out with electric choices now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they're just really compelling, really compelling. So that's an interesting fact of the week, no doubt. All right. And that leads up to our first topic here. And this is quotes from Buffett's business partner, Charlie Munger. Um, <clears throat> and John, this is based on an article from Yahoo Finance very recently, uh, Julia Roche, and uh, but but Brookshire Hathaway had their annual shareholder meeting um, in L.A. this past week. Warren Buffett um, reunited reunited with his longtime business partner Charlie Munger, um, who's based out in California. And you know they they didn't get to do this last year. They didn't get together, so they've been apart. And um, in a normal year, though, thousands of people kind of pilgrimage to to Omaha, Nebraska, to listen to Buffett. He's 90. Munger is 97 years old. It's amazing. It is. And he, but they answer questions for hours from people. You know, people just kind of mesmerize over their, their wisdom about investing and about, you know, finances in general. Um, but Munger is Brookshire Hathaway's vice chairman, and he's an adored uh, person for his expansive knowledge and his maximums about business, investing, and life, as well as his colorful humor. And last year, due to the pandemic, Brookshire Hathaway's annual meeting was was virtual, and they didn't have uh, Munger there. So, but while Buffett is more public and more recognizable face for Brookshire Hathaway, um, you know Munger really is behind the blueprint of how uh, Brookshire Hathaway was built um, beyond the the old cigar butt investing, as they used to call it. Um, now to to uh, their their business of buying great businesses at fair prices, and though Buffett credits Munger for his success, he also emphasizes that his friend and his business partner has made him a better person. Um, so he has a lot of great quotes. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into these. They've compiled some of the favorite quotes over the years, grouped on by subject matter. So. We're going to dig into the ones on learning first. Yeah, big, big learners, uh, obviously, uh, you know, reading. And so one of the quotes on reading is, uh, in my whole life, I've had, I have known no wise people who didn't read all the time. None. Zero. And uh, he said, you'd be amazed at how much uh, Warren Buffett reads and how much he reads as well. And his he said his children laugh at him because um, they say he looks like a book with a couple of legs sticking out. So <laughs> big, big reader. 
another quote here is, without the method of learning, you're like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. It's just not going to work out very well. <laughs> that's, <laughs> pretty, that. that's pretty good. And then uh, another one here um, just you know talks about very simplicity. Um, uh, you know, just talking about reading. It says, "I think that a life properly lived is just learn, learn, learn all the time." So it's amazing these guys how smart they are. I know Dave Ramsey is a huge reader as right. well, but they just read all the time. Yeah, I mean we we've, we've always said that learning is one of the keys to bettering yourself financially and a big key to your financial success. So Munger's right. Um, you have to always strive to learn. And I think it's one of the things that makes life fun, quite frankly. You know, I always look forward to what I can learn each day. I mean, I love reading and just reading. I like to read current event type stuff to yeah. see what's what's new out there. Um, but fortunately, in today's world, I mean, we have podcasts like this one. We have videos. We have access to every form of printed material on Earth in our fingertips. So, I mean, it's exciting every day to learn something totally new and useful and of course, you know, that comes from reading, learning, listening, um, watching. Um, it's amazing what you can find on YouTube. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I have a problem can, with the house and I'll go YouTube it and, you, you know, can find everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's interesting, just entertaining stuff out there, too, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I mean, fi- you know, financially, I mean, that's how you get ahead in life, really, is by educating yourself on how to make smart choices. So I think that one is key. Um, But also, you know, looking at Munger's quotes on investing in business, Um, one of his quotes was understanding both the power of compound interest and the difficulty of getting it is the heart and the soul of understanding a lot of things. He also said, I have a friend who is a fisherman and he says, I have a simple rule for success in fishing. Fish where the fish are. You want to fish where the bargains are. That's simple. Yeah. You know, it, it. if the fishing, if the fishing is really lousy where you are, you should probably look another place to fish. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love that because to me, it really, it really speaks to value investing. He always looked for bargains, right? He mm-hmm. wasn't going to go fish where it was expensive, where, where there wasn't the fish, so to speak, that he was talking about. Um, and then he also says, you know, mimicking the herd invites regression to the mean, merely average performance. <clears throat> he says, the, he also says the world is full of foolish gamblers and they will do nothing. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. They will, they will not do as well as the patient investors. Yeah. Yep. Patience is key. The, the turtle wins. That's right. And then lastly, he says, you know, it takes character to sit with all the cash and do nothing. Um, I didn't get where I was um, by going after mediocre opportunities. Hmm. So, yeah, I think smart that's guy. smart guy. Definitely. Patience is key when it comes to investing. So to me, he's really speaking a lot about value, buying value stocks, which are down, not trying to time the market. Um, you know, Buffett and Munger, they don't buy expensive stocks and neither should we. Um you know, value stocks historically give the highest returns for a reason because they're bargains when you buy them. Growth stocks are expensive when you buy them. Um, and you're paying because you're paying for yesterday's performance. And, you know, Buffett and Munger really are value investors and they've been successful for 50 years sticking to that strategy 
of buying stocks that are down, that are a bargain when you buy them, not overpaying for stocks like trying to buy Tesla today, something that's really, really expensive, you know. And they're also very patient, and they don't follow the crowd. So mm-hmm. I think that's really great points. Yeah, that's that's really, uh, and that's that's how they built their businesses on value, um, value, right. <laughs> value investing. So another uh, kind of um, uh, quote here on investing is, I think the reason why we got in such um, I, I dicey in, uh, in the investment management is best illustrated by a story of uh, fishing. He must be a big fisherman. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, he, he asked this fisherman, he's like, um, you know, purple and green for lures. Uh, he said, "Does do fish really like these lures? And he said, mister, I, I don't sell to fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you, I love that. Yeah. If you think about, um, you know, products out there that, that are sold, um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of colors and flashy things out there, but at the end of the day, it's about earnings of companies, right? That's what really drives the market. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, again, you know, Munger and Buffett, you know, they don't try to time the market. They don't, uh, give it a grain of salt for predictions. Um, instead they're very patient, but I love the fishing lure story because it really speaks to today's mutual fund industry mm-hmm. and investment industry in general, you know, who are always trying to sell something that, that looks sexy, that's, you know, that, that looks flashy and sounds exciting. Um, you know, I mean, they're not, uh, they're not out there trying to show you, just sell you something that really works. You know, I mean, they're, they're more trying to make a sale and that's kind of what he's talking about with the fishing, fishing lures. Yep. But yeah, I have a client right now. It's going back and forth, you know, about buying expensive growth oriented stocks or strategies. Um, and you know, it just, I mean, with, with great past performance, and it just, I mean, this speaks against that, you know, I mean, because a lot of advisors are out there selling past performance. They're using colorful lures um, because, you know, like you said, they don't have to sell to fish, you know, they only have to sell to people. So <laughs> advisors a lot of times don't care about, you know, what works long term. You know, it's just making the sale today. And, you know, you got to avoid that. So you got to learn to know what the difference is. But then also he has some good quotes on um, mental models and decision making frameworks And so um, what he says here is we've had enough good sense when something where he's working very well to keep doing it. I'd say we're demonstrating what might be called the fundamental algorithm of life. Repeat what works. It's simple. That's really good. Yeah. And then he also says, I've spent my lifetime trying to avoid my own mental biases. I rub my own nose in my mistakes. I try and keep it simple and fundamental as much as I can. And I like the engineering concept of margin of safety. I am very blocking and tackling kind of thinker. Um, I just try to avoid being stupid. <laughs> I have a very, I have a way of handling a lot of problems. I put them in what I call my too hard pile and I just leave them there. <laughs> I try not to succeed in my too hard pile. Um, and I love that philosophy, you know, basically he's saying, pick your battles carefully, you know, fight where, you know, you can win. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, uh, another really good quote he had on, um, just on life in general is, um, uh, another thing of course is, is life will have terrible blows, horrible blows, unfair blows, doesn't matter. And, and some people will recover and, and others won't. And there, I think, um, is the attitude of um, Epictetus uh, is the best. He thought that every mischance in life was an opportunity to behave well, and every mischance, uh, mischance in life was an opportunity to learn something, and your duty was not to be submerged in self-pity, 
but to utilize a terrible blow in a constructive in constructive fashion. And, um, you know, so, you know, we all have difficulties in life, right? It's just how you approach when you have that difficult moment. And, um, you know, the pandemic has certainly thrown a curveball to a lot of folks and right. it's been challenging. And, uh, so I love his, uh, attitude of learning from that. Don't wallow in self-pity, but pick yourself up and, and, uh, learn from it. Yeah. An opportunity to behave well. That's right. That's right. And then another one he said here is, you know, you, you don't have a lot of envy. You don't have a lot of resentment. You don't overspend your income. You stay cheerful in spite of your troubles. You deal with reliable people and you do what you're supposed to do, all these simple rules work well to make your life better. So that's a good summary. I like that. Very good summary. Yep. Yeah, 97, Charlie Munger, you know, still makes a lot of sense in his recent comments from the annual meetings. Um, and, you know, he, he lives, he's lived through the Great Depression, something like 12 bear markets. Wow. Um, he's forgotten more than most people have learned. And, you know, I think he brings a lot of perspective to investing in the crazy times we're in as well as life in general. So my takeaway from his comments is that, you know, you need to stay disciplined. You need to be patient with the, and to be successful with investing. Fundamentals still matter. And that's exactly the opposite of what we're seeing today, where so many people are looking for a quick and exciting ride. You know, so stay the course. Don't get lured into chasing the lady's shiny object that comes your way. I think that's kind of the moral of the story mm, yep. of a lot of his quotes here. So smart guy. Yeah, smart guy. Very interesting stuff. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, I'm sure you're getting these uh, questions as well. But, um, you know, the question is, is how can I align my environmental or personal views with my invest investment objectives? And, and I'll say that um, there are some some specialty funds out there, but it's difficult if you're trying to, you know, take one company out of a mix or even an industry. Um, mutual funds, you know, um, are generally structured to own the market. And uh, so right. my advice to folks is, you know, if you want to um, boycott, you know, a, a um, industry or a specific company, then do it with your spending or don't right. spend with them. Um, that's probably a more effective way than trying to, you know, carve out one or two or three companies. Yeah, with your investments, it's very difficult to start trying to gear your investments toward, you know, your your social or values, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a lot more effective to to gear your spending and where you spend your time and your donations and, you know, your efforts um, to try to help the causes that matter to you, that you care about. Um, but when it comes to investing, investing's hard enough, you know, I would not try to mix, you know, social matters with your investing. I would, or, or even values. I would, um, I would focus more on diversification. You know, you're not, you're not applying a lot of money toward anything that you disagree with, but you're diversifying worldwide, follow a fundamental, you know, uh, prudent approach to investing, um, based on fundamentals and, um, you know, leave your investments kind of out of the the realm of trying to make social change, if you will, with mm -hmm. your investments. Because if you do that, you're going to you're going to spend a lot of time and effort. Um, you're going to make things unnecessarily complicated. Um, and, you know, it's going to hurt you with dividends and returns and diversification, all those things. Um, so, yeah, it's a great question, though. We do get that question a lot, but that's. That's an important topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is the seven personality types. 
and how that affects your money. Yeah, this is uh, written by Ken Honda. And, um, you know, Steve, we obviously stress the importance of uh, financial literacy, um, you know, such as gaining a strong understanding of how money works and, um, you know, having the resources to make informed decisions. You know, but when it comes to, you know, financial health, one of the things that people fail a lot of times is to consider their personality type um, or their approach and emotional responses to money. And, uh, you know, we have our own beliefs and emotions about money, and um, they were all shaped by different life experiences, maybe passed down from our parents or influenced by the you know, current situation. So, and, you know, identifying which type you fall under and understanding the pitfalls of each um, can improve your relationships um, with money. It can also help you spend less on impulse purchases, uh, help you be you know better with budgeting, invest wisely, and um, just be more successful. So we'll dive right in here. We have seven of them to cover. Yeah, that's right. Number one here on the list is signs that you're a compulsive saver. Now, I will say this is this is a little bit rare. It's, unique. Yep. It's not the main problem that most people have out there, but there are those people that are compulsive yes. savers that just save too much money, you know, and just just don't you know don't really uh, uh, don't really enjoy their money or have a plan for it. But you know, yeah. So the first sign is that you put away money endlessly, sometimes with no actual goal in mind. Um, second sign is you believe saving money is the only real way to feel more secure in life. <clears throat> and the third one would be that you're you're just very frugal, very very frugal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe so frugal you just uh, yeah I can't. <clears throat> yeah. You know you recycle you know paper plates or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty pretty frugal. But yeah, I mean the pitfalls obviously are some compulsive savers are so afraid of losing money that they're they go their entire lives without spending any of what they've worked so hard to save and, you know, and plan for. Um, for example, they might choose to skip out on hobbies or activities that could bring them a lot of happiness and purpose, particularly in retirement, after they've saved for it their entire life and they budgeted for it and they planned for it. It's there, the money's there, and then they can't take the vacation or they can't enjoy it. Um, so the advice would be, you know, it's all about moderation. I mean, learn to find a balance between saving money and enjoying life um, you can do both, you know, if you have a budget, right, and you have money set aside for the enjoyment part, the entertainment, the vacations, yeah. you know, that's part of your budget. So it's okay to spend that money on those items. Um, but you just got to, you got to have a plan for it, yeah, right? The plan actually is, is what drives it, right? You need, exactly. you need to save some, but it's okay to spend some as well. That uh, kind of gives you the boundaries. That's exactly right. <laughs> so think about seeing yourself in the future and how you can use your savings to get there to, to really reach your dreams. Yep. Yep. The second one here, uh, personality type is compulsive spender. And uh, some of the signs are you tend to spend money on things you don't necessarily need. Um, you have an outgoing personality and love uh, treating people to uh, things that are special, um, sometimes for no particular reason. And uh, also could be that you're in emotional distress, uh, so you uh, your solution is to spend for immediate gratification. And um, so the pitfalls are, you know, even if you have a large amount of debt, compulsive spenders will continue going on shopping sprees. They may hide purchases from friends or family, and in extreme cases, uh, bankruptcy. Uh, and we see this sometimes. Uh, we see people that are really generous with their family and it's okay to help family out but when it starts hurting you financially then it's it's not healthy 
Um, so the money advice here is uh, create a budget, um, and uh, that'll help you, you know, get a different perspective. I would say go to a Dave Ramsey class. Um, you know, they teach you how to do budgeting, and they have a, a really good process and system. Uh, and also, when you uh, buy something, remind yourself that, hey, if you spend this money, um, it means you're sacrificing uh, retirement or paying off debt or some other you know, type of goal. So compulsive spender, we do see that um, periodically. Sure. Um, another one here is compulsive moneymaker. You believe that earning more money is the secret to happiness, and you spend most of your energy on trying to make as much money as you can, um, and you get pleasure from the approval and recognition from other people for your financial success. So the pitfall is, um, you know, they're, um, uh, compulsive money makers are usually on a strong path uh, for that financial freedom, but, you know, they're Work- neglecting relationships. Workaholics. Yes, <clears throat> that's right. That's right. And we do see that sometimes. Um, you know, they uh, prioritize growing their wealth versus spending time with their, with their loved ones. So, you know, the, the money advice here is recognize that there's more, than, than, um, more to life than money. And, you know, if you do have a sizable amount of wealth, um, you know, give it a purpose. Uh, maybe help others um, out in the community or in your church or whatever your passion is. And, um, you know, you can also treat yourself to a family vacation, you know, because it's not many people that on their deathbed said, I wish I worked more. I mean, most right. time is spending time with family and, and creating those memories. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's good. And the next one here is signs that you may be indifferent to money, mm. apathetic toward money, just totally don't care about money, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you may, one sign is that you rarely think about money, um, and just the idea of creating a budget makes you want to throw up. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's most people. Though. That's most people, though, so I don't know if that's a yeah. good sign, yeah. but rarely think about money. Most people do think about money. Um, so that would be a sign. Uh, but also in extreme cases, you may believe that money is inherently bad or evil. Mm. So you just want to get rid of it, you know, give it away, whatever, spend it, you know, get it out of there. Um, and then you may feel strongly that money shouldn't influence important decisions in your life, shouldn't be a factor. You should be able to go to college of your dreams. Money shouldn't matter. Yeah. Right. You know, it's all about the experience, you know, or something that's. Yeah, that that would not be a good. So the pitfalls are many people who are indifferent to money feel, you know, they need they only need a modest amount of money to be happy, um, which is fine, you know, which is kind of a healthy mindset. Um, But, you know, things can get ugly if you're not responsible with your finances. I mean, if you're depending on a partner or spouse um to do the work for you you know maybe you're being lazy in your relationships you're not pulling your own weight in a in a in a you know relationship um you know that's a problem so that's the pitfalls um another one is uh but the, the so the advice would be even if you're financially comfortable make it a point to know things like you know where your money's going um you know what your monthly expenses are where you stand on debt I mean, doing all those things, having a budget, having a plan can save you a lot of financial stress in the future. And maybe you don't need to worry about money, but you at least need to know where you stand financially. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, a saver splurger is the next personality type, kind of in between a saver and a spender. Uh, save a lot of money, but you also have spending impulses. 
when you do use your savings, you may uh, spend on things you don't need or rare, rarely use. So my question to you, if I fall in this category, Steve, if I'm going out and buying myself a new set of golf clubs, yeah. is that uh, something I don't need, you think? I mean, I'm thinking it's well, going to help my golf game a little bit. Well, What do you think? No, I, th- I think that's actually a necessity. That's, that's a, a different part of the budget here, John, okay. you know, <laughs> the new golf clubs. So, but I will say, though, I do find myself, you know, occasionally I'll find a tool in my workshop yeah. that I never used, and I'm like, crud, yeah, you know, I'm like, yeah. I bought this thing, and I never used it. I thought it was cool. I thought it'd be something I'd use, and I didn't use it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a... Uh, you can always sell it, right? Yeah. Go on eBay and sell yeah, it. Yeah, We right. see the gambler mentality quite a bit as well. Yeah, that's right. The gambler. Um, so this would be uh, you share common traits between money makers and spenders. Okay. Um, you're, you, the thrill of risk and promise of reward is a pleasure into itself that you quickly get lost in. So just the risk and the thrill of, the, of you know, spending money or gambling it. You gamble away money sometimes for the purpose of escaping boredom. <laughs> it's entertainment. That would not be good. Yeah, just go hit the uh, hit the lottery, right? You're talking about like GameStop, right? Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be gambling for sure. Yeah. yeah. So the pitfalls are, and you know, it's not unusual for gamblers to encounter encounter sudden windfalls or devastating losses. The most obvious risk is when gambling gets out of control and you start borrowing against things like retirement money or mm. you know your house or your children's college fund to make up for losses on the way. So the advice would be to, you know, be introspective, be strict with your financial risk that you take, balance your security, always consider the financial risk. Don't go out here just, you know, investing in things or buying things that have substantial risk without understanding the risk and the return trade-off. Yeah. And the final one here is uh, you might be a warrior um, uh, personality-wise, and it doesn't matter how much money you have. You're constantly worried that you'll lose it at any given moment. Um, another sign is you lack confidence in your abilities to achieve financial freedom. And uh, the third one is, is you constantly obsess over the worst-case scenario of what will happen if you run out of money. So pitfalls, uh, you know, it's it's smart to be aware um, and, and do some planning, but letting worry and, and anxiety eat away at your happiness in the present moment is never a good thing. So the money advice is... You know, um, work on understanding where some of those financial worries come from. I would say do a retirement plan. Those plans are really powerful. They, they give you some vision into the future. And, you know, if they're done properly, they can give you a roadmap and take some of the stress and worry off of you. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think a good plan can can take uh, can compensate for all of those yes, issues or the majority of them. Um, if you're just following a plan that you and your spouse agree on, you know, if you're married. And, and so that's that's really the key to... Yep. To put some parameters around those personality traits with money. So good uh, good topic. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, um, consider doing a Roth conversion. We, we talk about this periodically, but um, when you do a Roth conversion, you're basically moving money from an IRA account to a Roth IRA, and you're paying the tax bill. So you're basically settling up you know, with IRS and, and paying that tax bill, and you don't have to worry about future tax rate. So if you do a $10,000, you know, Roth conversion and you're in a 12% federal bracket, you're going to owe $1,200 plus, you know, some state taxes associated with it. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, and then if you can make up that difference, if you withhold the taxes and you can pay the taxes out of your pocket yes. and get it all rolled over, converted, that you're actually getting more money in your retirement plan because now it's all after tax money. So that's a great deal. So, uh, yeah, something I'm definitely going to look at this year because yeah. you never know. I mean, taxes could go higher, and yeah. um, 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's worth just locking in today's rate and yeah. get, paying the money on the smaller amount before it grows into the bigger amount later. Yeah, it takes the worry away from the, the tax piece of it because you're you're basically paying that tax bill and you're taking it off the table. Right, right. So good fact uh, or prescription of the week. All right, well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Uh, or give us a call. You can reach us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 